Good afternoon, Culture Surfing listeners. We're back in full effect. I, we got a special guest, uh, a special episode, I should say, today. Me and Zeke uh, just talking about how after the heat got swept, everyone, you know, makes fun of culture, heat culture, if it's real or not. And I mean, what better show to do it on than Culture Surfing? I'm not going to say we're experts on it, but we definitely talk about it on here quite a bit. Uh, so we're definitely going to get into that. Also, later on, we're going to have to talk about the contentious Suns-Lakers series. Uh, I like to call that the series of the hobbled limbs. Uh, and then we also have, yeah, exactly. Also got the very, very pivotal uh, Clips-Mavs discussion going into Game 5. Uh, and then we're definitely going to, unfortunately, have to get into some Embiid injury talk along with uh, – the alarmingly high rate of fans just doing absolutely ignorant, appalling things to fans or just to the NBA uh, name in general. Uh, and then going out of this pod, this is more so looking in the future. Um, I'm sorry, Celtics fans, but we're going to be looking to what expect from the Bucks net series because I'm just considering the Celtics done. Unless Tatum can average uh, 65 in that series, it's over. But uh, Zeke, how's it going, my brother? Oh, Welcome man. on back. Hey, man, you know it's good, man. As long as I'm alive, you know, another day, it's always good. You know what I mean? Oh, it's, it's always, sure, and you know, sure. today is going to be hot because we get to make fun of heat culture, man. Who doesn't love slandering heat culture? Heat culture is awesome to slander. You know what, though? Let's just get right into it, man. I, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you set first because you're the one that pretty much uh, wanted to lead into this, and I, and I give you props on that. But I'm gonna give you some pushback with the heat culture slander because I think there are some positives to it. But well, uh, why don't you go ahead first, then? Because I I feel person I feel like the heat culture slander is something that's more recent than anything, while like right. people have always felt that heat culture has prevailed. Okay, so this this is my take. I think culture is real. I know that uh, we've had locker room uh, discussions about it. Like some people think it's a myth. I think I don't think so. Now I think some of it is manufactured and fake, and it's just a buzzword. But there are some franchises that still and still. And I'm sorry, you're gonna have to do a drinking game with how many times we say culture. But a culture <laughs> in their franchise. Drunk, please. Yeah, you're going to get really drunk on this if you do a shot game here. But with the Heat, I think it stems all the way back to the LeBron era. And there's a story of LeBron having a private conversation with Riley after the Heat kind of, I think they were like 500 or like a game uh, off 500 uh, in their inaugural season of the Big Three. And supposedly LeBron had a conversation where he said, don't you ever get that itch? And I, and from what I've been told by a lot of reporters and what I've read is, it's pretty much indicating that they need to fire uh, Spolstra. And Spolstra is obviously a heat guy. Uh, he's definitely a product of like staying true to your, your craft and working hard and you get where you want to go. Obviously, because he came from the film room, which I've never seen a, a head coach uh, come from the film room. You can tell me if I'm wrong, if this ever happened, but recent memory, I've never heard of it. Okay. And so obviously that's a Riley guy. Cause that is someone, uh, cause Spolster is someone that inherently has the heat culture. And LeBron was like, you do you get that? It's like, 
pretty much saying like, Hey man, don't you ever think about like doing something different? And to that, Pat Riley's like, no. And as we all know, Riley is, I mean, that guy has a lot of respect from his playing days, from his coaching days. So he's just not some, you know, front office exec that that doesn't have any experience on, on, on that side of the basketball. So like he's well respected. Right. And for him to tell LeBron, no, Although LeBron may have not have been as powerful as he was in as he is now, like that's mm-hmm. still something, right? Yeah. And I think that is a testament to what I think I consider heat culture. It's like it's for the team, it's for the good of the team. Now I know sometimes that's not the best of things, right? Because as we all know, big companies are they're not always looking out for the wellness of the player. Mm-hmm. Although I can argue the Heat have never really showcased that to to such an egregious extent to where you like question them like oh why did you let them play or why are you treating the players like that uh so that's my argument Mm -hmm. now obviously you can backfire but like okay well that same uh thought process allowed them to sign all those mediocre to mid-level players to long-term contracts and i think 2017 2006 summer 16 where they lost their mind yeah, but in all fairness, a lot of a lot of teams lost their mind because they thought the money was just going to keep skyrocketing every year. Because remember, that's how uh, the Warriors got KD was because of the salary spike. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to get him. No, they they um, and the Lakers lost their mind at twelve oh one. Yeah, remember well, that was the year of the Mozgov and the Luol Deng yes. uh, signing. And that so, was when they signed Tyler Johnson to like fifty five million dollars. Yeah. right. Should have yes. should have let Brooklyn just match it. Because Brooklyn tried to match it, and they said, nah, they should have just let Brooklyn match it. But that was also the James Johnson. I think he had like a four-year deal. All right, it was a lot going on, right? So I don't really want to poo-poo them that much because there was a lot of bad decisions made. But in hindsight, because they figured the money was going to keep skyrocketing, and unfortunately it didn't. Mm-hmm. But they also have players like Udonis Haslam. Now, I don't really look at him in high regard because I'm not like instilled in the heat uh, bed of media. But I, I've heard a lot of good stories about the guy. I've heard that he's a stand-up dude. But, like, they've they've stuck him around for years, right? He's basically like, a honestly, Kendrick Perkins. Yeah, he really should not have a roster spot. <laughs> but but I don't even mean that disrespectfully from a playing standpoint. But for obviously from a mentor, influential standpoint, he he has a leg to stand on. But, like, not a lot of teams would be like, yeah, screw that. We're not paying this dude. But they're still paying him. So that's what I'm saying. Like, that's my fight back from it. Now, obviously, the Heat culture also has other sides, which I will let you get into. But I just want to lean in on that. Mm-hmm. And no, I'm not all pro-big business. Yes. But I just think I just think uh, the Heat culture does exist. And I, and I do respect it because Pat Riley is, is a different kind of executive, man. Uh, for him not firing Pat Riley when most uh, – like big time executives would have panicked, especially when the superstar comes to you insinuating yeah. you should fire him. A lot a lot of those people fold and they're like, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Which we'll talk about later with another team. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, ex- explain to the world your part of the, uh, the story though. All right, so Lance, man, I just want to tell you I'm proud of you because you're not only a Mavs fan, but you're a Mavs writer. And you actually said something good about a team that cheated you out of the finals in 2006. With a bunch of ghost calls. You know what I mean? That they didn't cheat. It was the refs, all right? That's another story. <laughs> but still, I would think the hatred 
will still be there. But it's all good. Listen, culture, right? Is culture real? Yes. Is culture something that's needed? Yes. But is culture overplayed? Yes, it is overplayed. Because if culture really existed, then what happened in Brooklyn? Two years ago, Brooklyn was the happiest place in the world with D'Angelo Russell and all of them doing the dab dance and, you know, just having the greatest time in the world. They had the greatest bench, culture, 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 culture. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant woke up and said, oh, nice place. I like this culture. It would be so sad if I just, like, come here and just, like, destroyed it. And, you know, and then, <laughs> and then they all just came there and they just now, like, do you think they give a fuck about culture over there? No, because... The way how it's looking, they might win a championship because they're the only team, despite having injuries, their three stars got to rest before the playoffs, essentially. And there's no fundamental way of guarding them, right? And this applies to Pat Riley. Culture, heat culture is nothing more than whatever Pat Riley says and wants and does. That's literally what it is, right? Like, let's, let's stop this, all right? And this is a man who hasn't made a culture in Miami. The man who made a culture in Miami was Dwayne Wade being what he was in 2006 and Shaq getting pissed off at Kobe and leaving. You understand what I'm saying? That's literally what it is. Before then, Miami Heat was a Gulag franchise. No one cared. We used to think they were the ugliest jerseys in the league. Their fans never even showed up to games. And their fans still would rather be a King of Diamonds than to be at their games, right? Like that's just literally what it is. Um, and the, but can you argue? But but I mean, wouldn't you rather be over there too, though? I mean, listen, if you're a fan, you should still go. I mean, I can't really say much about Houston fans. I can't really say much because Houston fans would rather be at V Live than to be, you know, at the at the Toyota Center. But you know, those are other problems to deal with that more so with the traffic, right? But. If we're being honest, like, let's look at Miami Heat, what they did, right? If Miami Heat culture was so good, right, why did he prefer to sign Tyler? No. Why did he decide? Yeah. Tyler. Uh, why am I Johnson. forgetting it? Tyler Johnson over giving Dwayne Wade yeah, his contract. Because of that dispute of not giving, honoring Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade decided to not even re- retire and be a part of the ownership group he decided to go own a team in mormon land instead like all right he like like heat culture right let's really think about heat culture tyler hero right tyler hero was so great right so untradeable right because of the bubble right and you know i love the bubble because the bubble was the closest thing we got to like viewing basketball at its purest form but, but but the bubble was making people look like Michael Jordan, all right? Like, look at look at that dude from the Pacers. Dude look, turned into a god Warren. for a few weeks. Yes, TJ Warren. He turned into Turned-up a god. Contract, for a few I believe. Weeks. Yeah. And have you heard of TJ Warren since? No. Now, I understand he's been out with an injury, but even when he came back, he was not setting the world on fire, right? Tyler Hero is averaging, I think, 14 points in the finals, right? In this year's playoffs, he's averaging seven. Half. And even in those was games, averaging seven. Was averaging seven. And, and, and he wasn't even playing when they needed him because it was such a defensive liability, right? Like, he was basically worthless on the court. Can you believe 
that this man, Pat Riley, this slick back mobster, right, with 10 rings from mostly that he got from L.A. land, but that's none of our business, right? Because Magic Johnson was there and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was there and James Worthy. But let's not talk about that, right? He could have had James Harden said, no, doesn't fit the culture. Okay, fine. That's fine. You had Dion Waiters there and he was popping a bean in planes and he's a part of your culture. Okay, fine. Because he likes to go to strip clubs and you don't want him. Okay, fine. Could have had Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry on this team would have at least made this series better than that one game. Because after that one game, it was just a blowout every single game. Right? Said no. For Tyler Hero. Lance, Tyler Hero's ceiling, what would it be? In your opinion. Oh, man. I think he's going to end up being like a if best case scenario to me, like a Lou Williams. And, and that might me, be too high. That might be too high. And you're telling me that a white man, Lou Williams, is not, isn't valuable enough to be traded for James Harden or Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I'll be honest, man. I kind of, at first, I kind of saw where he was coming from. But then I was like, well, but do you want to win or do you not want to win? Because as much as Harden really, he honestly pissed me off in the beginning of the season. I'm sure he pissed a lot of Houston people off. Yeah. But at the end of the day, talent is talent. Yeah. And Jimmy obviously is not the guy that you want to be controlling the ball all the time. And he doesn't want to be that guy. And but Jimmy wants to be that Harden guy. Here. He wants to. He had a choice between Houston well, has to be and guy. Philadelphia. And he chose Miami. And he says because of heat culture. But you know why he went right. there. He went there to be with the Cuban mommies. All right? He didn't go there to I, I mean, and, uh, hey, man, no state tax. <laughs> like, like, shout out to Florida. No, shout out to Florida. No mass state. Every Miami's popping right now. Don't get it too sick. Everybody's there. Yeah. I looked at my IG stories. Everybody's don't exist over there. I'll tell you that. Huh? Kobe don't exist over there, I'll tell you oh, what. No, it does not exist. It does not exist. It's a myth there. You know what I mean? But seriously, but, though, like, I, I get I get the frustration because you laugh. You look at that and you laugh. Because it's like, what has Hero done compared to Harden for you to even have those thoughts? Like, Or Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry. That's yeah. the greatest. That's that's the greatest point guard glue yeah. guy that you okay. can have in today's basketball. And you couldn't even do that. You couldn't even now, do that. But then you would have to resign him because then what if you trade everything for not? Because what if he leaves? And he's like 34 years old. That's the only problem that I had with that trade. The but hardest one, it. I understand why people are mad about not happening. Okay, but here's my thought process, right? Is Iggy somebody that you want to resign anyway? He has a team option that will be $15 million. Is Iggy worth $15 million for one annual season after what you've just seen? Oh, I don't think they're accepting it. I think he's gone. Okay. Now they trade and but here's the better part. They traded for Oladipo instead of uh uh Kelly Olinick. And Kelly yeah. Olinick was on fire, right? I wish I had his raw box score stats, right? But Kelly Olinick was lighting the thing on fire. He was shooting like when I last saw it, it was like eighteen points a game, shooting forty percent from three and like close to like fifty percent on field goal percentage, right? And if we're even going to dive deep into numbers, he's averaging 61% true shooting. So, like, and his box score plus minus is 1.1. Like, 
It's he is good on an absurdly trash Rockets team. Oladipo could even be close to that. Oladipo was so bad in Houston, he was virtually an enemy of progress. Houston fans couldn't wait for him to be shipped out of town. And you know what? Oladipo was such the great golden goose. What did he do in the playoffs, Lance? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's, yeah, he's injured again. Nah, you, what are you talking about? He's heating up the trainer's table in the back, man. Yeah. The, the candles, yeah. they're doing scented candles, the bandages, all that stuff. But they got, him for ben huh? they got him for next to nothing because the Rockets fumbled the bag and didn't know how to and didn't know what they were getting or didn't uh, care to look at the intel. So as bad as it is that they traded away someone that they probably could have used in the playoffs, it's not like they gave away a lot. I mean, for they, they gave away Kelly Olenek that could have helped in this year's playoffs. Yeah. You know, I, I feel you. Like the the point is, is like Heat culture. It probably is real, right? Him standing up for Spo was great, right? But in that same context, what you have done is that you got rid of your team's best player, and now you have a bad relationship with that guy, which is the worst thing you could ever do for a franchise, right? You did what you did for LeBron to swear LeBron to leave. Because remember, that very same press conference where he was challenging LeBron to leave, he leaked out that LeBron had a daughter, a newborn daughter, which LeBron did not want oh, before to LeBron, Before LeBron said anything. Yes. That, I didn't even know that. I didn't know that. I just don't know that he... He pretty much burned the bridge when he was like talking about being a man and all this, which I mean, I, I found it highly entertaining, but I didn't know that he leaked out uh, LeBron's seed being born before LeBron even said anything, which is crazy. Yeah, or even worse, like, and think about it those times before Jimmy Butler got there, how many people were really trying to go to Miami? Because before then, remember, he had that little, uh, there was that little expose story about how he tried to get Gordon Hayward to sign and that he brought him in a jet ski and the jet ski ended up going to, um, why am I forgetting this man's name? Uh, their center, the center that had the best, the most amount of blocks in, in their history. Miles Turner? Or no, no, I'm sorry. And who's, oh, Alonzo Morning. Alonzo Morning. Went to Alonzo Morning's house. Yeah. They took the jet ski to Alonzo Morning's house. And everything, and he was so happy, and then he gave him a max contract to sign, and he said no. Like, yeah, but Hayward wants to be where there's. Well, I don't want to get into that, but you know where Hayward wants to be. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just too diverse for Hayward down there. Oh, of course, but his wife likes it down there. His wife wanted to be there. You know, happy wife, happy life. That. But um, that's not the point. I I I guess the point I'm trying to make is that heat culture is just. I don't want to say it's a lie, but it's overrated and it's a lie. It, it, no, it's not a lie. It's overrated and over, you know, stated, right? When they went to the finals last year, they went to the finals because they had the best, they had, that team had the better, they had the strongest mental fortitude compared to everyone else. That is a and testament why is to that? Them. But is that a cult? Is that culture that pat riley made or was that because the leadership that jimmy butler and those veterans now, already here, had? now here's what i'll say i think it's the culture that miami i don't want to say i mean it may be made or influenced but i think it's jimmy butler enforced and that's why 
I think Jimmy Butler and Pat Pat Riley mesh so well. Yes. Now, if Butler asks for a trade or whatever after this flame out of a year, uh, which I doubt, I think he'll stay. I don't think so either. I think he'll stay, but they got to obviously. They really should have traded Hero and them while they could, because yeah. even Duncan Robinson's not promised to be back. Because it looks like he is. I saw a report where they asked him, like, "Where do you see yourself?" And he says, "Well, first of all, a fit." So obviously, yeah. he, it's not necessarily he's going to be back with Miami, which is crazy because that guy's. I mean, no one even knew who he was. You know, like like no one cared about him, and and he came up in Miami. But for him to say that, something must be a brewing down there. I mean, you know? look at that! Look at that thief from Washington that went off last year. He saw him and said, "Why not be like him? You know, he can shoot threes even better than him. Probably just not step back threes, but he can shoot." And you know, and he knows after looking at Joe Harris in Brooklyn, he's like, "Watch me go to a place where all they need is shooting." You know what I mean? All they need is shooting and just multiple ball handlers. He can find a team. I don't know how much he'll get paid if he's looking for fit first, but he could probably get that Miami Heat team discount and go to a team with fit right. somewhere else. Because we all know Miami doesn't like to max out their guys. They like to make them take the hometown discount and then pay them back later. But I think after seeing what happened with Wade, I think people are starting to look at them side-eyed because the amount of times that Wade had to take less for the big three, actually had to pay for Udonis Haslam's salary out of his pocket to keep him there, or that even getting reneged for Chris Bosh. You know what I mean? Now, Chris Bosh was, a, you know, before he had his blood cost, he was a very talented player. But, you know, to even do that and, and for Hassan Whiteside, to, it was just, it was, it, was, it was not good. That's what I'm saying. Like, for me, his culture has... It's something there, right? But largely, it's a fallacy. It's just Pat Riley, who is an untouchable guy, you know, exuding confidence in his stuff. And a lot of media people fanboy over what he did in the Showtime Lakers times and the Knicks times and say, he culture, put that there. But I do believe that what he did with LeBron and Spo, that was probably the first time that LeBron actually got pushback but yeah so now on the opposite side of the spectrum a team that does i don't want to say that they that they don't care about like the whole from top to bottom because there are some very bright uh spots in the in the front office executive level uh they did have their coach for quite some time despite a lot of playoff crumblings Mm -hmm. however upon Signing Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers have shown that they will definitely put their star first. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it's just looking at from the heat side of it to the clip side of it. There are some perils of doing so. In doing so, there's a lot of things that we probably won't know about until there's a 30-30 about 15 years from now when there's all these allegations that you hear about, about bribing and, and stuff that you're not supposed to put into free agency talk, as in like uh, acquisitions from off-court things that have been rumored, Mm -hmm. uh, such as Jets and all this other stuff, right? So the Clips went all that way, and they could have been exposed and could have got some crazy fines or or taken draft picks or whatever, right? But they Mm -hmm. went out of their way to get Kawhi, 
because they saw what he did in Toronto. Obviously, he did some stuff in San Antonio. Despite it, you could argue Toronto was just a great team or a really you good can make team. The, and you it, can make the same point for San Antonio. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Now, and this is our current day. Now, obviously, the Mavs have since lost their 2-0 lead and it's tied 2-2. So it's, it's not as a, a high talking point as it was two games ago. But they sacrificed their future. Like, All of if Kawhi just doesn't resign, they're, they're fucked. Yeah. Like, they got Paul George and no assets. And maybe Terrence Mann becomes something really good, which good for them for finding someone like that, you know, underneath the rocks. <laughs> but they went out of their way to sign Kawhi. They gave up on SGA, which honestly you could argue that SGA growing with Kawhi would have been a lot better and they could have got a third player. But, you know, you do what you got to do because Paul George is, and I hate saying this term, but he's one of the best two-way players in the game, mm-hmm. despite a lot of people not liking him because of his personality. And usually they say he doesn't perform in the playoffs, although he's playing really well since game two versus Dallas. Yeah. But yeah, man, I just it's the total opposite of Miami. And I just think it's just so interesting how different teams operate. And it's kind of like the Clips are kind of following with the Brooklyn Nets. Or, or you could say the opposite. Brooklyn Nets are kind of following what the Clippers did in dis- I don't want to say destroying, but dismantling a certain way of thinking and just saying, hey, just give get the star players and yeah. We're going to have to bend over backwards for them, but we're going to win. We're going to make money. We're going to build stadiums. And that's just going to be it. You know, we'll put and put the onus on the players. And yeah, I mean, what, what do you think about that? Like the comparison between the, or the contrasting of the heat and the clips um, okay, culture, so, for, for lack of a better word. I, well, so here's the thing, right? As much as I criticize Pat Riley and quote unquote heat culture, I've never once said that culture is trash and throw it out there. You have to have some, you have to have some level of culture to build anything, right? If you have standards, that's culture, right? Like you have to have that as a foundation to what you want to build, right? Um, the thing is, is that there's two different ways you can do it. You can be an authoritative figure, like what uh, Riley has done over there. And it can yield you results where you're fairly consistent and then you have high highs and really low lows, which that's what it has shown you. Um, but then you can be like an organization like the Clippers and just be flexible and adhere most to your stars or try to get as much talent as possible via appeasing them, right? Um, the problem is, is that it's hard because what you need to realize is that not every player is like, not even just players, people in general are different, right? Not everybody is as needy as the other guy, right? The The problem is with the Clippers in this case is that you got two players, right? That one of them is a guy who goes to work and balls hard, but he does not want to, he doesn't want to carry the burden of a franchise. And, you know, the, the thing is about carrying a burden of a franchise, it's not about winning a championship. It's about being there and connecting with the fans and doing everything for the city. Like, Lance, you know this deep down inside. If Dirk never won a championship with the Mavericks, you guys would still love him as one of your own. You guys would still revere him, right? It's the same way, yeah, like... 
You, you go, actually. Oh, no. no. I was just going to say because he showed up and, and he took ownership on defeats and he wasn't a front runner like Dirk. Like, a lot of players, they run away from the scrutiny. He ate it. And, yeah, it was awkward and it was hard, but as an adult, you got to do that sometimes, you know? And even and, if he didn't win, the thing is that I think in Dallas, the reason why you guys connected to this German man is because you saw him. You felt like you can touch him. Like he was a part of the city as much as he was the team. Right. And that's the thing, like with Harden, right? Like Harden may not be the best player in the franchise. That's Akeem Olajuwon's title, right? We love Akeem, right? I'm Nigerian, so I should love him, right? I do love him. And, um, my thing is with Harden, the reason why Harden splitting hurt so much was because that was the first time that we had an athlete that Houston could say, oh, yeah, that's our own. Now, at least when it comes to basketball, right? Because Tracy McGrady was cool, but Tracy McGrady wasn't out there like that. James Harden is so out there, you casually see him in Walmart with his mom shopping for groceries and giving people hugs. Like, he had his own weekend where all he did that whole weekend was party and throw away money to every single you know school and have a basketball a charity basketball game like you don't really see that from athletes right and you can say the same thing for like LeBron when he was in Cleveland you know he took the burden of the franchise Chris Paul when he was in Clippers or even New Orleans he's always taking the burden of the franchise being as acclimated as he could same thing for Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma City like it's not about winning it's sometimes it's just about if I was to close my eyes and think about the franchise, what do you think of? And you think of that said player. Kobe is not the greatest Laker ever, but he might just well be because of the fact of what he's done for that franchise and what he has meant for them. You know what I mean? So the problem is here is that Kawhi has never cared to like go out of his way to like ingratiate himself with San Antonio or Raptors or, or, or Toronto fans for that matter. He doesn't really care to do media appearances. Doesn't matter. Tim Duncan didn't do so either. But it's just the idea that you can tell there's a vibe from him that he just likes to punch in, come to work, and whatever, right? He doesn't, he leads, he likes to lead by example. But when that doesn't happen, he just kind of just like, that's your, fuck it. That's your problem, not mine. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I did my job. They're not doing their job, but hey, I'm doing my job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's he's not gonna he's not gonna go into general manager's office and say, "Yo, this is what we need to do. How can we make this team better?" Stuff like that. he does not care for that stuff. Paul George is another one where like every time he opens his mouth, you're just going to want to throw up. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, you know these are guys that really have like a lot of. Paul George seems like the type of guy that needs a lot of hugs and attention. And, you know, I really like Paul George. He's a very talented player, but he's a very inconsistent player because of the fact of his shot selection. Most of it is, like, contested mid-range jump shots. Doesn't like to get to the rim at all. Um, doesn't shoot enough free throws to, to keep up with the offense. So that's why sometimes he can go for, like, he can average 30 points for, like, two months, and then the next month is, like, down to, like, 18 points right? He's really that inconsistent of a player. And um, the thing is, if you're the Clippers, you can't really fault them because 
You're the Clippers. Like, you, you share the arena with the Lakers, you know, that team with all those yellow banners around the place, you know? People in L.A. kind of look at the Clippers like, why are you here? Just go away, you know? I even feel that way. Because I, I thought when Steve Ballmer bought them from that racist man, I thought they were going go to the, go to Seattle. But, you know, he said, let's move it to Inglewood, right? And now he's gentrifying Inglewood, you know? But, I mean, it is what it is. But, you know, the saddest thing is, is that it's going to be a failure if they don't win because of the amount of draft capital gave up. Because they're going to lose Shai Gilgis, Alexander, and a bunch of picks. Right? Those and are the now, players that you think of. And now that brings me back to when you go so far in to, and I don't like saying player empowerment. I like to say superstar empowerment because yeah. I believe that the average NBA player does not have that much leverage. Oh, no. The middle class has yeah. no. Listen to, look at JJ Redick. Look at JJ Redick and how he got traded and how he was yelling about it. No one gave a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no one cared. Yeah. Right. So that's what happens when you lean into that side of, you know, team building. And look, every 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 way of team building has its positives, right? Like, yeah, the Hinky era was bad in the moment. It was horrible. I, I thought it was despicable to competitive sport. But it gifted them Simmons and beat or whatever right mm-hmm. going all in for superstars when you know that you can get the superstar it's great it, it brought a buzz like i thought once you know chris paul and griffin were gone i was like oh the clippers are going to stink for quite some time you know but they had doc rivers and they were able to you know make something of a patrick beverly tobias harris roster or whatever but then when they got Kawhi, i was like well there at least they're relevant again like and I really thought they would challenge the Lakers and they would win the championship because I was just like, that roster is too talented. And yeah. from what we've seen from, from Kawhi and Paul George as a number two guy, like the sky's the limit for them. Yeah. But it's not always about talent. It's about personality. How do they mesh together? And yeah. that's you the peril that. of going too far left or too far right. Yeah, in terms you of saw the, the key, level of the infighting they had. That's so much right. infighting. And in the articles that show up now, granted, I know the athletic, I know the athletic does their damn, damn good job, right? But sometimes you can tell when you read the athletic or any like one of those articles where they're like expose, you can tell that there is some like, you know, we're gonna over exaggerate a bit, you know. But like, well, let's take it a step further. When yeah. Shams is reporting, sometimes I read it like an agent is writing it. Yes, exactly, exactly. Like you can tell, like okay, somebody they they got a bunch of disgruntled people to say, yeah, fuck this guy, yeah, fuck him, yeah, all my homies hate this guy, yeah, hate this guy too. You know what I mean? Like it's like a pack watch, literally, like how we go on Twitter. Like everybody's smoking that pack to laugh, right? Like they literally make those articles to make everybody wake up and laugh at that one franchise at the moment. So I mean, yeah, I mean, is it bad that Kawhi wants to live in San Diego and? get a helicopter flown there it's not ideal but kobe used to fly a helicopter to staples center every year like like what is the difference you know what i mean like are we just getting mad because it's the clippers (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) yeah a lot lot is nice when you win and we all know that 
whether it's right or wrong, that's the reality of it. And and this is not to like poo poo on the clips, uh, but it's just it's just crazy how how the heat went one way and the clips went the other way. Mm-hmm. And you can argue they're both going to crash, but even though they went separate ways, they're both going to just crash together. Maybe uh, in a, in a year or two. For example, look at Miami, right? Because we could say that Pat Riley deserted his heat cult, like had to mold, you know, had to transition his, you know, his idea of heat culture a bit to fit in LeBron, Wade, and Bosch and see how fast that crashed because they had two years of championships and then LeBron woke up and said, I'm out because all he had to do was look around, look at the team, see Wade's knees crumbling before him and say, yeah, go to all-star game and, 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 uh, and the Olympic Games and say, hey, Kyrie, hey, love, want to play with me? All right, bet. Let's all go to Cleveland together. You know what I mean? Which is, it's what LeBron does. Every four years he switches jerseys, you know? You get used to that. You're not, you know? Shout out to anybody who buys his jerseys at American Express because you definitely have all the jerseys. You know what I mean? But um, but the thing is, is that uh, personally, it's like, it is what it is. I guess how things will be things will be valued, right? Will be based on did you win at least one championship? You know what I mean? Did you win at least one? And in a Clippers case, yeah. I don't think they'll ever win one. They have a chance, but the chances are low because they're not much better they're not better than the Lakers healthy, right? They're competitive against the Suns, but how much competitive, right? And if the if if the Nuggets were healthy right now with Jamal Murray, right, and Will Trill, can they beat them with Michael Porter Jr. and the way he's playing? Probably not. Even if they went through all of that, can they beat the teams in the East? They can probably beat the 76ers because, LOL, the Sixers are just, they don't score. I mean, they, they, they can, but it's going to be by a barrage of threes, you know? They don't really, their best primary creator is Tobias Harris, which all of Twitter likes to make fun of and call him poor man's Mello, right? Which is crazy because Mello's looking like the poor man's, uh, you know, he's looking like the, the poor man's Tobias Harris at the moment, right? But. No one cares, right? But um, the point is, is this, like, there's not much belief in them. But we both know with our heart of hearts, they're not beating the Nets. They're not beating the Bucks, And those are the two teams that you're definitely going to see and they're going to crash course because the Sixers and B just died in front of our eyes, and which we'll get into later. But, um, yeah, I, I think the Clippers had a multitude of issues. The ownership was bad before Ballmer. Ballmer was a new owner who is known to be uh, a risk taker, and which is why he was despised in the tech industry because he has this boisterous attitude, you know, with shouting "developers, developers, developers," you know, like all that stuff. And and then Doc, listen, Doc has three, three, one comebacks, losses in his, you know, losses in his resume. So that's what it is. But. Yeah, let's talk about the Suns and Lakers. Enough about talking about Gulag franchises. Yeah, so as I was going to say, uh, speaking of a team that does matter in the Staples Center, 
like from a historical standpoint. The Lakers, man. Uh, I was expecting, as we were talking about um, when we were doing our little playoff preview, if you will, I had the Suns or I had the Lakers in seven. Yeah. Since then, I do not know how to call the series because everyone seems to get banged up. Uh, as we know, uh, AD is dealing with the groin injury. LeBron is just hobbling. He doesn't look his, his right self. Uh, mm-hmm. I was doing a little bit of intel. And it's it's I'm I'm reading that this is LeBron's like worst scoring effort since 2011, and I believe they're referencing uh, obviously the NBA Finals, right, where he kind of self imploded versus the Mavericks. So what's his raw stats? Uh, What's his box score stats? uh, For the series, Uh, so so this is what I'm this is what we're dealing with right now for LeBron James. He's shooting 32 percent from three, which is not great at all. He's got an average of 21.8 points, which is not necessarily LeBron. I mean, I would expect him to get like 25. And I mean, assists 8.5, which is, is pretty good considering how the Lakers aren't really performing that well right but now. What up, but on what turnover uh, rate, though? For his oh, you're right. You're right. Uh, he's got 19 turnovers to 34 assists. So... No, it's not great. And and the but if you're LeBron, you're but if you're LeBron, you're you're you always right. having the ball in your hand. But so you have to now. Some, speaking of, I people wanted to crown AD like the best big in the league, better than Duncan, like all this stuff, like I all this stuff that I find. Ex- you mean new age, You mean Tim Duncan with a step back? That's why. Yeah, like I, I'm just some of these takes were egregious, man. Like I get it. AD was like looked really good last year, but I want to see that like. For more than a season, this is his numbers, man. After what he did versus Denver last year, I thought he had found his three-point shot. He's shooting eighteen percent from the three, which is egregious. Less wow. than ten rebounds, and he is—he, you know, on the defensive end, you can never question him, right? He's still averaging two blocks, so he's looking good. Yeah. But I mean, this guy is shooting eighteen percent from three, and only once again twenty-one points, like LeBron, and. And there's been times where Aiton has outplayed him, which should never be a thing, at least not in this stage of his career. Now, you could argue yeah. AD's banged up, but guess what? He's always banged up. So what are we really talking about here? And it's just <laughs> like to him, but we, I, it's always that conversation, kind of similar to Embiid, that, you know, like, when is he not banged up? He's always hurt. So, like, what, I'm not supposed to, like, tell the truth about these numbers? Like, And the Suns, it's not like they're necessarily playing like gangbusters either. Because I was looking up their stats, and yeah, Booker's averaging 25 points, but guess what his three-point percentage is? 26%. Chris Paul is playing with one arm this whole series, it seems. So it's like, who is going to hobble to the next round is what I'm looking like. And and now, I thought whoever won this series would win the Western Conference. I don't even know if I could say that anymore. I'll say this, man. Adam Silver will pay for his sins. He'll pay for his sins against the NBA. Him and those, him and those, all those ghetto, ratchet ass, cheap ass owners. They'll pay for their sins because look at what they've done. They basically forced a product so fast that all the stars in the NBA are like dying in front of our eyes, right? Like, let me be honest, right? Did I laugh my ass off or enjoy the, the chaos that we got from the play and that Steph Curry and the Warriors did not make it? Of course. 
But in the grand scheme of things, if you are a general NBA fan and do not have any personal biases or cares, right? You just care about, you just know that the team that's blue and yellow with the bridge and the little, the little brown boy shoot pulling up from 30, you're going to, I want that team. I don't want the Memphis Grizzlies to win. You know what I mean? Now Steph's gone, right? Like, if that wasn't a sin within itself, you know what I mean? This is all collectively just a sin. It's just, it's just a sin, right? It's, Getting close to bubble, right? Where like how people are making fun of Miami Heat, even though I do think they they deserve their their flowers for making the playoffs for their mental stability. But it's like how people are calling them uh, the bubble guppies because you know they don't believe it's real. You know what I mean? Or calling LeBron Le Mickey and calling Anthony Davis a Disney because Anthony Davis went from shooting step back threes to like. Can't hit a three. I just want to interject, man. What he did against the Nuggets last year, I was like, man, if AD has a consistent like jump shot, it's over. The league, it's over for the league, you know. And so it's here we are. So this is what I think, right? I do think he has a consistent jump shot. Um, The problem is, is that until recently, Andre Drummond was starting, and with Andre Drummond starting. What ends up happening is that Anthony Davis no longer has the spacing to score reliably. You know what I mean? Because he likes to work in the mid post, like towards the high post, right? And do his work. But because of that, he can't do it because Drummond is there. Now, the idea is that defensively, they would have LeBron playing free safety, Anthony Davis basically playing um, free safety to like, you know, to help on weak side and and Drummond can, you know, basically run around the rim, basically guard the rim. Right. But the thing is, is that they found out quickly that, uh, Drummond cannot move his feet as far as, as well as we thought he could, you know what I mean? He's not that laterally fast and strong and all that stuff. And defensively he's defensive IQ is just not there. Right. So, that that's that's the problem. Yeah, it's literally the problem over there. So because of that, like their defense is still top tier, but it's not the added bonus that they thought they were getting with 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 um Drummond, right? So what has happened is that in the results on offense, it's bothered Anthony Davis. You know what I mean? Because like you said, Anthony Davis's offensive repertoire is good, but not great. Right, and because it's not great now, because the spacing is off, he's basically forced to shoot jump shots the whole game. So now he's no longer like dominating as we expect him to. As for this series, this series has just been weird because it seems like when one team wins, the other team got blown out. You know what I mean? It's so weird outside of game one. And Chris Paul, we thought he was dead. But last game, as soon as uh, Anthony Davis got ejected, was Anthony Davis that left? Oh, uh, yeah, game? he did. Yeah, when he left that game, he turned into Superman. Like, he rewinded back to, like, point God instead of the hobbled God and started, like, getting all these buckets and everything. And it's a weird series. It's going to go the distance. I. 
this I did call the series would be the most entertaining. Uh, the series hasn't lived up to the entertainment because of the injuries and stuff and the lopsided games. But you still feel that the Suns-Lakers rivalry is still there despite it being like 10 years. Uh, 10 it's actually been uh, no, it's 11 since they played in the Western Conference Finals. It's because they played in 2010 Western Conference so, yeah, Finals. It's been, 11 it's been 11 years. Or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, so uh, yeah, 11 years. 11 yeah, 11 years. years. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been 11 years. So at least we have that. It, it's there, right? Even though that Devin Booker was still right. a child, Chris Paul was still playing for New Orleans, and LeBron was even in the Western Conference, right? It, at least we still got that type of feelings back. I don't know who wins, but it's literally going to be a war of attrition, and whoever wins gets it. But like, like you said... I don't know, because if these injuries are really as severe as they seem for Chris Paul, Anthony Davis, and everybody else that's on the injury depth chart, then what are we getting from the Western Conference? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it might be it might, it might be the East year to win the championship, because I was like, there's no way the Lakers lose. Like I, I had them, well, I had the Bucks winning the whole thing, but I, I was like, the Lakers are definitely going to be there. Now I don't even know if the Lakers are going to be there anymore. And if the Lakers aren't there defensively, I don't know who's going to be able to keep up with, say, the Nets or the Bucks, like in the in the Western Conference. I really don't. I can't call it. But but my thing is is that because I guess this would be like perfect transitioning, right? As much as we're giving shit to the Clippers, right, based on their history of being their franchise's history being like mental midgets and just suffer from apostle syndrome from being the baby brother to the Lakers. If the Clippers was to get out of the Maverick series, right? And they face the Lakers last, right? Is that how it would work? Is that how the seeding would work? Yeah, because well, yeah, remember they, they, they tanked to to not play the the Ma- uh, the Lakers in the second round. So yeah, they'd be they'd play Utah or Memphis. Yeah, so that remember oh. that's why this whole thing happened. That's okay. why a lot of Dallas fans or whoever felt slighted because they're like, "Oh, you went out of your way to play oh, wow. so, us or the Mavs in the first round." Okay, that's true. So here's so so. Do you think? I mean, it still works for my point. I just didn't. I just didn't remember how the seating worked. Um, so to my point, is this the Clippers' chance to win a championship or at least get to you know get a Western Conference championship? I don't believe they'll beat Utah, but this might be their chance. You, you know what I mean? This might be their chance. I don't know. Them. I still think they could beat Utah. I still think they could beat Utah, the Clippers. My thing is, if the Lakers get a series to to get healthy against the Clippers, I don't know. I still probably pick the Lakers. And also, I mean, the Lakers are going to either face the, the injury-riddled Denver Nuggets or the defenseless Portland Trailblazers. So they still have... <laughs> Of getting out of that series. Listen, you saw what I've said on locker room and on Twitter. I said the Portland Trailblazers are nothing more than Dame, CJ, and Camelo and vibes. Just vibes because they don't play defense. They don't really do much besides like the three of them just shoot shots whenever they want. And Nurkic, yeah, Nurkic is going to be so frustrated having to guard AD because he gets into foul trouble. Jokic, he's definitely going to get into foul trouble. AD, 
Yeah, it's it's. Good. Which you probably won't even guard AD. It'll probably be Covington or something. But anyways, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. it's still the the Clippers still have a very high chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I we're gonna go ahead and like talk about the Clips Mavs okay. series. Obviously, I I was never like, oh my god, the Mavericks are gonna sweep, right? I was like, nah, the Mavericks are known to kind of fumble the bag this season. Now I didn't know it was gonna be to this. This proportion of like really collapsing. It was good while it while it was it was good while it was happening. Like oh, it was dopamine being injected into Dallas. I'm telling you that. <laughs> Listen, like, like it wasn't one of those things where you close your laptop and feel disgusted. No, you just kept the high going. You just felt really good. Man, and I, it's I, it's it was magical while it lasted. But then how was, game three started, I thought yeah. it was oh, this is continuing. But guess what? The Clippers made real basketball adjustments, and the Mavs. It seems they can't counter that counter adjustment. So shout out, to, shout out to Ty Lue. He's already shown he's a better coach than Tibbs in his second. Game. Okay, I, okay. I was, I was trying. I was like, dude, don't say Carlisle because I'm not off Carlisle boat yet. But I was no, about to go crazy no, no, if you no, said I that. I love Carlisle. Okay, my was, favorite. Carlisle's my. I think he's my third favorite coach in the league. So, yeah, I, I won't say I Okay, no, nah, but keep cooking. Keep cooking. I, I like making fun of Tibbs because everybody likes to say, Tibbs is great. Okay, Tibbs is so great. Look at what he's doing in the next series. He has not changed anything besides deciding that Alfred Payton is a complete waste man and shouldn't start. And not getting ran- – and Randall destroyed the Atlanta uh, Hawks in the regular season, and you can't get Randall better looks or nothing. Like, well, that's, it's bad. Offense has never been his calling, but – this is a guy who never cared to um, change his style like Mike D'Antoni or any other guy that's been labeled one-trick ponies like Doc Rivers. Like You know what I mean? Like, whatever. Forget him. We're not talking about him. They're going to get gentlemen swept. Is it today? Yeah, I think it's today. So who cares about them? Let's go back to the Mavericks and Clippers. The point is, um, the point is, is that, like, it was nice. It was nice to hear, man. Like, seeing that, like, Mavericks is destroyed the, the the Clippers first two games because it was kind of like deep down inside like this is not going to happen they're not going to win this series but as it's happening I was literally going on Twitter like oh man like I felt like the guy from the Simpsons that went to the duff machine and was said how do you want the beer it's like just hook it to my veins and just poof. like literally that's basically how it was about the Clippers losing you know what I mean Seeing Luca just dunk, uh, like poster people, and then seeing Dorian Finney-Smith, who who in God's name started just hitting open three-point shots like he's supposed to, and actually remembering how to dribble, and then dunking after he pump fakes out on the dribble, like things like that. But we knew it was logical. People knew this was not real because they were shooting way over their heads, right? For two games. And I know people said, oh, well, they were doing that for like a while, right? But like the thing is, is that you can come into the playoffs and play really good and build rhythm. But the thing is about a series why people really love the playoffs or really value the playoffs into assessing a team or the star player is, is that it's a game of, of, is it, dang, it's a game of execution and it's a game of matchups and adjustments, right? And how you move the chessboards as a coach and how the player tries to succeed this, 
the this besides the fact, right, of things going against you, it will show your worth, right? So I knew that it wouldn't be thing it wouldn't be like this, but I gotta give them credit. They they played hard for a team that looked like they had no identity all season. You know what I mean? So it is what it is, but game game three looked bad. No, game three, they had a chance. But when I saw game four, game four looked like that was the final load in the chamber. Well, and this Just this is the problem, Zeke. This is a problem. Luca, and you know, we're gonna bring up injuries. When he when he said that he felt a pain go from his neck down to his left arm, I said, Man, that sounds terrible and I don't even know if they should play him after this, you know. Obviously Luca's a, a competitor. Cuff injury. Like he probably strained his rotator cuff. Like it's yeah. that I was thinking nerve damage, which is horrible because that's not that's something you can heal, you know, just something that comes and goes. But I mean, speaking of this guy, I mean, Luca's carrying the Mavs right now. Like after uh, the first two games of uh, THJ averaging twenty four points per game, this is what we're looking at for Luca. Tim Hardaway Jr. Shout out to THJ. Yeah, I mean, he we, the everyone was about ready to give him the max after the first two, but now since then he hasn't been playing so hot. But Luca's averaging thirty three points on eight and eight, so eight assists, eight rebounds, and the remarkable thing is he's shooting forty percent from three, which earlier in the year everyone trashed him for his three-point shooting. But the problem is, this is where the problem is, dude. He's shooting 40% from the free throw line, man. <laughs> like, you can argue in game three, if they just hit their free throws, they might have won the game. And I know that's a very, like, elementary thing to say, but it's true. Like, free throws and three-point shooting are very important, right? You like, the Mavericks are well, You know what's funny? I just randomly thought about it. To, sorry to cut you off. You know no, you're good. Go when Dylan Brooks is shooting better from free throw than you, because when I last remember looking, Dylan Brooks is shooting fifty percent from the from the free throw line. He's shooting fifty seven percent from the free throw line, fifty seven percent from the three point line, and fifty seven percent from the field goal line. It was a ridiculous stat. It was as of like a week ago, when I had to do the Hoops Adventure show on Thursday. That's insane. Shout out to Dylan Brooks because I used to think he was a yeah, scrub, was but a, this year he he looks like a really key role player. So shout out to him. He's, he's not, not a scrub. He's yeah, he's not a scrub. This was this was like last year. This was last year <laughs> when I just thought he was a guy that was gonna hump you yeah. mid court all the way down to the rim. Like he was not just gonna leave you alone, right? <laughs> but, nah, he's he's a good yeah, player. The way he plays defense. Yeah, the way he plays defense is like he's such Yeah, like he's full-court press guy at the gym that sometimes I would be, and people just want to snuff you because of it. But, like, on, on the yeah. opposite side, like, I don't want to just talk about how great Luke has been. I trash Paul George a lot, and a lot of that is just self-inflicted pain that he does to himself. But, like, ever since he yeah. decided, hey, I'm going to go to the rim because they have no answer for me, this is what he's been doing. So... Yeah. Right now, he's 16 for 20 from the rim, and this is uh, per my guy, Shane Young, that covers the Clippers for Forbes Sports. 16 for 20 at the rim, and then he's a 6 for 11 in floater range. So this is the Paul George that the Mavericks have. We want. Yeah, and and they have no answer for because this is the thing about KP, man. Like I know a lot of people like to trash him. 
I just think physically he just can't do it. It's not that he doesn't want to do it or he, he's tried not to. He cannot do it. His body, the way that it's built, it cannot react quick enough to what the Clippers are throwing in pick and roll coverage. Like uh, in the third quarter, uh, Shane Young uh, wrote in this gigantic, like it seems like it's like 4,000 word uh, piece that Ty Ronglu called a timeout in the third quarter. And essentially what happened in that third quarter is he said, hey, we're going to put Kawhi in these guards and pick and rolls, and we're going to spam the shit out of the Mavs. And Shane said they did it eight times in a row and just blistered the Mavs, and they they had no answer for it. And so that is a key adjustment in the series is them just being like, hey, why don't we just go to the rim on these guys and get them into foul trouble and get them frustrated? Yeah. And it's, it's simple stuff, really. Definitely. But it's effective. Definitely. I saw that in game four. Game four, a lot, it just seemed like all they did was put people in pick and rolls and just dive to the rim and did not care. It didn't matter who was at the rim. And that's why we saw uh, Boban out Which there. Which is, right? when you see Boban out there, the game is pretty much over. If you see, and I, and Boban, Yeah, that, when you see Boban out there, <laughs> when you see Boban out there, that's when you realize, like, yeah, it's bad. That's a Boston Celtics version of seeing bad. Taco fall out there. If you see Taco... It's a wrap. <laughs> don't don't say that about the great meme Taco Fall, man. When you see Taco Fall out there in the Celtics land, you, you have to clap and start smiling. Like, you know, that's the thing over there. But I mean, I, I get it. That's why I feel like what what this team looks like, like what game four looked like to me was similar to Miami in the sense that they may have the better coach, right? They may have the star that may not be the best player in the series, but is formidable in the series and can change games and stuff. But the talent is just not up to snuff to the other team's talent. And that's literally what's going on. Rick Carlisle can do everything he can. And that's why I like him. I'm, I can never join with Dallas Mavericks fans when they say, like, ship him to the gulag and replace him with, like, anybody else. Or, like, why couldn't Steven Silas stay and be the coach there and appease Luka? No, because Rick Carlisle is one of the, has one of the best pen games in all of basketball when it comes to making adjustments on offense. On offense, literally, like. He does not run the same stuff he runs in the regular season. He runs completely different stuff. There was literally a quote where Rondo said where – I think there was an article, right, where Rondo, where they said Rondo would call out every single play. And Rick Carlisle responded and said, yeah, he's calling plays. That's why I'm not – that's why we're using different plays. We're not even calling plays. There's like 4D chess out there, right? right? But the problem is – the best players is Luka and KP, and KP has not been himself this season or last season for that matter because the injuries have caught up to his knees, right? And while you have the other end, you have two top 15 players in the league. You have Kawhi, who's arguably top five, and you have a guy in Paul George who's top 15, arguably, right? Like, they're two-way guys, so... It is what it is. I mean, it's a valiant. It's, it was a valiant effort. It made us laugh, you know. But I think this series. I think, I think game four. That was game. Yeah, four. we're going game. The pivotal game five is uh, Wednesday night. You'll probably be hearing this on. Yeah. <clears throat> actually, probably be hearing this on uh, Wednesday as well. So 
That's yeah. when they're playing Wednesday night. <laughs> right. Game four to me was they gave it everything they had at that moment, coaching wise and Luca star talent wise, but the threes were just weren't falling and maybe it'll get better, but I think I, I think the So do you think the do you think the Clippers take it in six or the or the Mavs make one more push and, and force it to seven in LA? <clears throat> Uh, it depends. I mean, we're all talking about the Clippers. They do right. The Clippers do what they like to do, which is to clip, right? So like, we will never know. So there is a high probability that they can win Game Five, like steal a game and get you know in, at home with the Clippers. But I think, regardless of the matter, I think the Clippers got this. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's in six. Heard that. Uh... That's what I had before the, the series. I had clips in six, but then obviously the Mavs won two in a row. So I was like, well, maybe Mavs in six. I think it goes in six either way. I don't see it going to distance to seven. That's so That's either way, we're in for a crazy finish because I just don't see the Mavericks laying down uh, two games in a row like that. But mm-hmm. moving on, uh, we got this news, unfortunately, you know, Yesterday, Embiid had to leave the game. Uh, I believe it was knee soreness, if I'm not mistaken. And the Wizards went on the win, didn't they? Yeah. Yep. They were saved. Yep. So either that's just a gentleman sweep or maybe the Watch the Wizards, if Embiid stays out, they could take advantage of Embiid not being down there in the rim. At the rim. So, I don't know. Uh, what's your take on Embiid in general and then just his his injury-riddled season that probably cost him an MVP uh, season? Uh, I mean, what is it to really say about him? This has been a thing for his whole career. Um, when you're that big and you play a certain style like that, you know, it, it's going to weigh a ton on your body. That's why... There was always instances where they questioned his diet. Um, I remember that his diet was pretty poor. Remember that leaked article where he was drinking Shirley Temples and milkshakes and Chick-fil-A sandwiches on planes. But again, like I said earlier, we can't really take all those things as like solid evidence, you know, because, you know, they're all played up to some point. But Embiid has always looked generally... Big, bigger than he should be for his size, right? Um, it's unfortunate because the Sixers actually had a chance, even though I did not care about the Sixers having a chance because I fundamentally just did not think they had enough offense to go against Milwaukee or the Nets. You know, like because because personally, I feel like them beat Simmons is not perfect right i think they're two very talented players but they both need their separate teams because for them to work simmons has to learn how to shoot to coexist and every season he's came into the nba he's just refused to do that so it's whatever but it's unfortunate uh if simmons does prove to show that he's the top 15 player in the league because you know you'll get nba votes and defensive player of the year votes. He should have some effect on the series. He should. His offensive impact should be closer to Giannis. 
if Giannis is truly a top 15 player as what we claim and say he is, he should be able to have... Oh, you mean Simmons? Yeah. Yeah, if we're talking about Simmons, right. Simmons will definitely have the same offensive impact as a Giannis. Now, we're not saying that he can shoot or score like Giannis, but, you know, his game is similar in the sense that he likes to score primarily in the paint. So if he can take that, you know, halfback dive type of mentality and just get to the rim at all times and make the defense collapse and try to spread it out to shooters, then probably that could be the recipe to help them win this series because realistically, like, you know, they should, but we're not sure. Um, and probably carry them towards the next series. But I don't know. I feel like if this injury is as bad as what we what we saw and what it looked like, the 76ers are done, and they're going to have to blow that team up early. At least not, not the team in general, but I'm talking about between the pairing between Simmons and Embiid. Yeah, uh, I'll just say this quickly before we move on. As much as I wanted Darren Moore to do some crazy stuff when he first got there, I felt he was going to fill this roster out. And, yeah, if they prematurely move on or get eliminated this year, I do think something significant is going to happen. But speaking of the Philadelphia 76ers, man, I don't know what this is, man. Like, during a, a pandemic, there's an epidemic of stupid fans doing stupid shit. And it just happened again during – uh the Philly game where some crazy guy goes runs into the into the court where right next to Dwight Howard thankfully security guard you know tackles him nothing happens but also it just seems like it's happening every game the the guy that threw the bottle at Kyrie Irving got arrested there was a person that spit on Trey Young John Morant his family got threatened the thing that I saw, it said something about putting a double nickel or a nickel in your in your back or something, which is it seems to be a play on words for a gun a gun usage. You know, like that's yeah. despicable. That's 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 all on guards of of life threatening. Like literally, you know. And there's probably other things that I'm missing, but those are the main the main ones that I'm thinking of right now. Obviously, the Westbrook popcorn poured over his head, which. It seems that a lot of fans always go out to Westbrook. Like I feel yeah. like this is an annual thing, but it's uh-huh. just getting despicable. Like I was saying uh, last, I don't know if it was last episode, but I was saying that it, it feels good for like the New York fan base to be back. You know, Knicks fans to be back in the building. It's electrifying. We commented on how loud the Suns were, the Suns fans were, but at the same token. These people just don't know how to act right now, man. Like I know it's not the first time, but it just seems like it's happening in bunches. Like it's not it's almost like it's not isolated incidents. To be honest, man, I mean, this is why people just can't have good things. Like literally, like people really just can't have good things. People will just literally take any privilege and just make sure why you shouldn't have these privileges. Like we were on a pen we were we're still in the midst of a pandemic and Thank goodness for vaccinations and and the CDC guidelines for helping us wade the waters through this. Um, It's still not over yet, but, you know, at least we're getting close to relative normalcy. Right. And to think that like not being at any sporting event for a whole year locked up in the house. Right. You would think that people would go to these games and sit on their chairs, Indian cross style to even just behave. But nope, they're not. They're not trying to do that. We got. 
we got Yellow Man running through the running through the stands, hoping to be tackled to be next to Dwight Howard. Hilarious. You got uh, you, you got the Boston Knight bro who's happy that um, he was upset because the leprechaun was stepped on. Although, like the leprechaun is stepped on every game because it's painted on wood. So. Shout out to him. Such a stupid discourse. Yeah, sh- shout out, shout out to that genius over there. He's definitely failed an IQ test. Um, and you know, shout out to the spitter in uh in New York. You know that that dude's wild. Like, listen, I understand that people are saying when they found out about the the you know the person that threw the bottle bottle was like he's gonna go. He's, he could be tried for 10 years, right, in prison. They're like, that's excessive. I mean, yeah, it's excessive. But I've seen people go to jail for more for less, right? Honestly, I would not give a damn if they put him in jail for 10 years because these people, need, they, they, they need to be made like a uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? They need to be made a uh, – yes, example? Because I think what's happening with a lot of these people – is that they think celebrities, players, or musicians, for that matter, or anybody that just performs, right, is nothing more than a caged animal. And as long as they pay their tickets, they can do whatever they want. But that's not the case here. You know, that's, you know, honestly, even if you do think that, that's bad math. Why would you throw, you know, $15 worth of popcorn on a $200 million player on Russell Westbrook for... A three hundred dollar ticket makes no sense, right? If it does make sense, then that's good. I know you failed math a couple times in high school, so you know. I, I, I personally, personally, it's bad. I think that man needs to do something about it. I'm not gonna say that players should shoot the ones because they need their hands too. Their hands is as valuable as is 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 valuable tools for the league. So they can't just you know break their hands over punching somebody. But I do think the league needs to step in or at least the franchises need to step in and do something there. I just think fans forgot about Malice in the Palace. <laughs> I, I watched that live and I thought that was the end of it all, right? I thought, a fan, I'd be like, okay, fans are going to be unruly, but they're not ever going to do what they did there. And it and it's reaching that point again. And honestly, culture surfing, we're not afraid to go out of bounds into the streets, into off, just off court, off field mm-hmm. stuff. But, like, we're reaching a point in our country where there's a lot of yeah. tension. Racial tension, political tension. Somehow, uh, a scientific fact is now creating tension. Mm-hmm. And it's going to get ugly. Then uh, Adam Silver has a very hard job because, obviously, you don't want to get rid of fans. And you don't want to get rid of those high-priced seats, right. right? But do you want to build a barricade? But then it's kind of stupid, right? Because how are you going to see the game? Do you want to pull a hockey and put what hockey does? Obviously, because you can't have a hockey puck kill yeah. somebody. So put the glass or plastic or whatever barricade it is going to be, see-through, obviously. Uh, you got to do something. I mean, at this, at point, this point, it's close enough. They already covered the, the, you know, the lower bowl seats for the most part with those banners. At least some franchise do. It's just going to have to be league enforced because uh, the players' union is not going to stand for this crap. I know it. You know, th- this is yeah, this is like, borderline like civil rights. Now, maybe I'm going a little overboard, but like when you spit on somebody, 
Nah, that's civil rights right there, dude. You just can't spit on me and get away with it. No. In a pandemic, yeah. too. That's a that's an assault crime. Yeah. In a right. pandemic. So, that, yeah. Fuck that guy. Like, honestly, that's why that's why I'm like, man, if the boy if the boy or any of those people got like 10 years, I'll be like, that's excessive. Oh well, fuck that guy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not gonna be like, oh yeah, he deserves less time. People do much worse things. Like, no. Fuck that guy. You know what I mean? He deserves it. Yeah, it's it's really... There's no way in hell that I can even play advocate on this. I try to play advocate, but I can't. I just can't. Just It's despicable. Mm. Let's, like, let's do something. Put some hockey barricades everywhere. Enforce it. And the players' union, they're just... I know they're going to be cooking. Like, Michelle Roberts ain't just going to let that fly. They're going to they're gonna put that into the next CBA. Like, something's going to be made about that protection-wise. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know if they'll do anything, um, you know, as far as putting barricades, but I do think there'll be something in the next CBA. They, they do believe, believe me, I think, I think the fact that these players are being forced into playing in a pandemic and that bubble... That bubble was going to be the case study of how they would react. I think the new CBA is going to that new CBA is going to rock a lot of heads. I'm going to straight up because what the players are going to ask for is not what the owners want, and what the owners are going to want in in response is not going to be what the players want. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, uh, before we get out of here, uh, we want to do one more topic. Once again, not trying to be disrespectful to the Celtics fan, but unfortunately when the Jalen Brown news came that he was out for the season, I I pretty much just called it in and said, you know, Nets in five because I knew Tatum was going to will them to at least one game. Uh, so we're just going to automatically assume, now maybe we're going to look like asses later, but right now I, I think it's a safe assumption. Uh, I think it's going to be Nets, Bucks. We're both on record saying that that team is pretty much those two teams are who, like, one of them is going to be representing the Eastern Conference this year in the finals. Uh, without going too far in, because I think we need to at least watch game one before we really start deep diving. But what do you what do you look uh, forward to? What do you expect from uh, the Nets-Bucks series, Zeke? Um, what I expect from the Nets-Bucks series is that it's going to be a hard-fought series. It's going to be a series about offensive execution, to be honest, because – I do believe that the Bucks defense will be some will not be something to scoff at, but in my heart of hearts, I just don't know how you craft a defense with James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and Joe Harris on one team because the the amount of lineups that they can throw would just be like you have to guard the man up or whatever. And I understand that the Bucks have stopped doing drop defense from what I've seen, but drop cover. But they just picked up – they just started implementing switching everything. And switching everything can only go as far as how good that team can switch everything. Because switching everything is very hard because people have to realize where they need to switch, who they need to switch on. Everybody has to be aware. People like to say that switching everything is easy for certain people, but it really isn't. It's really hard, right? So we'll see. And if we're playing by ones, right, isn't that what, like, Kyrie Harden and Kevin Durant excel best at, one-on-one? So, you know, it is what it is. But the thing is, like, who can guard Giannis? But the thing is, 
you can't say, oh, you can guard Giannis because Giannis can't be guarded one-on-one. However, there is a code to stop Giannis. That code is to build a wall. Now, is it easy? No. But we have seen multiple teams do it before. Teams that are not as good defensively have done it before. So we'll see. Um, I like what I've seen from... um, I'm referring to Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton, right? Yeah, you definitely got to edit the gap. (laughs) Um, Chris Middleton. Shout out to Chris Middleton. What Chris Middleton has done is amazing. He has definitely taken a lot of um, uh, offensive responsibilities. He has had some game-winning shots this last series. And people used to criticize that his playmaking is not all the way there. But from what I saw in that series, a lot of him and Giannis pick and rolls were pretty damn damaging to the Miami Heat, right? And then those are the things. Drew Holiday is also like a massive upgrade from Bledsoe. You know, that waste man over there that's in New Orleans just taking up a roster spot and eating money. But shout out to him. Clutch, clutch sports client, by the way. You know, so, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, honestly, like um, the series will definitely go the distance. It's really going to be the trial of offense versus defense, even though that even though, um, you know, the other team has really good offense. I think it'll be like I said, it'll come down to execution of offense because a lot of a, a, a lot of the stuff that the Bucks do is similar to um, Brooklyn in terms of generating open, quick shots. But I really want to see what the half-court possessions look like. Because those half-court possessions, I know people tell me, like, you can just try to stop the, try to stop the Nets. But anytime I ask people, they really don't have an answer. You also got to remember that Dante DiVincenzo is out for the rest of the playoffs. So that's just another player that they can throw at obviously not going to stop them, but throw at the nets. So, and Forbes, as much as he looked good versus Miami, I don't know if you could keep him on the floor defensively versus the nets, but we will see. I mean, they're the top, those two are the two top four offensive teams in the league. So that's why I'm just like, if anything, this series is not going to be a defensive, like grudge match, but it's definitely going to be like, who can score the most amount of points? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's some very Charles Barkley uh, analysis from Zeke right there. I, I gotta, I'm just I'm saying, not, like, no, seriously, because when you really think about it, <laughs> unless unless un, unless Milwaukee, right, can establish the tone that they're going to make it a grind-out series, then I don't – then I, I can see both games going – being like who can be the first to score 120. Right. No, it's this is gonna be uh pick the over every time almost on these games. Right. And, and that's a fun series. You can't call it. That's that's gonna that means it should be a fun series. So I'm looking forward to it. We're looking forward to it. Uh just again, Zeke, it's I'm happy to have you as a co-host now, man. I, I feel like we're just moving so smoothly and I'm loving the pushback that I'm getting. Uh, I appreciate the pushback because you don't want to agree on everything. Uh, everybody, follow us. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on anywhere you can get your podcast. Please rate, review, let us know. 